Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think it was last year or the year before having a, a conversation with someone that I grew up with. And it was just like that first realization that, um, <laughs> that we had grown apart, you know? <laughs> like something was different between us, you know? And it was like... Um, realizing that my faith is not the same that it was and and like how um hard that is to to realize that you have completely like shifted away from what you grew up in or what you what you found so comforting at one time of your life you know and that doesn't mean that I I'm not grateful for what it gave me in that in that time you know I needed I needed that kind of faith for whatever reason growing up and that kind of structure helped me so much to become who I am today. But um, yeah, growing out of that and then realizing that that if I want to be a healthier version of myself, like I have to deconstruct. Welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast, everybody. How's it going out there? <laughs> Guys, it's the holiday season. We have another treat for you. We, you know, we have an emerging voice here that uh, we, are, we are proud to get out there. Not that we're the first and we certainly won't be the last, but uh, we connected with um, this you know, brilliant thinker and speaker and writer on Twitter and... Um, a bunch of, you know, you guys who are listeners suggested this guest and um, really looking forward to rolling this interview out. Who do we got here today, John? We have Caitlin B. Curtis and um, she has one of the most impressive book jackets I've ever seen. It's really great. She's got shout outs by Rachel Held Evans, Richard Rohr, Brian McLaren and Rachel Macy Stafford. I was like, dang girl. Dang girl. And you know what? For good reason, too, because as you guys are going to see in this interview, you've got just a very genuine person on a very authentic, um, personal journey and and calling. And it's no question why people want to hear what she has to say. And so did we. So we phoned her up and and recorded some some combo here that you guys are going to get to listen to. And we cover a lot of things. What are some of the things uh, you think people are going to find interesting about this? Well, for one thing, she she's um, yeah she's she's kind of in our age our age group or whatever. So so it's um, these days not not as hard finding somebody who has gone through what we would call a deconstruction or has has entered into the the journey, mm-hmm. um, if you will. But what, what's really interesting and unique about her is that she's really kind of um, uh, I, I guess experienced for the first time um, her Native American roots. Yeah. Um, and, and what does that mean in the context of going through a Christian sort of deconstruction? And so she has this really cool journey and she's kind of, um, I think you'll hear throughout the interview kind of melded the two together in this really cool, unique way, um, where, you know, like any, any listeners out there who, who know anything about native American spirituality, 
and just the the connection that they have to the earth mm. and and that sort of thing um i i think is just really cool and and really unique and um yeah i think her story is really cool um and i think a lot of people identify with it and um maybe perhaps learn some things about native american spirituality and and uh some other things so yeah absolutely so definitely go pick up uh her book it's very encouraging um, a whole bunch of essays. It's called Glory Happening, Finding the Divine in Everyday Places. I mean, come on, people. We can all get down with that, right? And I think it just came out. Yeah, totally just came out. So we are we are proud to introduce uh, a lot of you to Caitlin freaking Curtis. Caitlin freaking Curtis, welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast. Thank you. So for those of you that aren't as familiar with your work, uh, tell folks a little bit about your your background and how you came into the work that you do today. All right. Um, let's see here. Uh, I am so living in Atlanta with my husband and our two boys, um, and I've been writing for about five years now. So I... Um, the book coming out this fall. So, um, I got published, I guess it's been about a year ago and, um, just had a blog for a while and was just kind of processing, um, spirituality and parenthood and, you know, a lot of changes. And then that just kind of bled into writing more and more. And now I, um, write a lot about being a native American and being a Christian and how, um, those worlds are kind of colliding and coming together and what that looks like. So, mm. so yeah. interesting. Yeah. That's, that's a really unique perspective and, and one that we haven't had the opportunity to, to really address on, on our show. So we're really, really happy to have you here. But, um, so maybe, maybe tell people a little bit about that. What, um, I looked up, uh, some information about your tribe and, um, so, uh, tell people a little bit about your background as far as that goes and how that kind of informed, um, your Christianity. Yeah. Um, so I am Potawatomi citizen band, um, and we are from Oklahoma. So, um, that's my tribe and I am, I'm an enrolled member of this tribe. So I, my family is on the tribal roles and it's uh, through my, my dad's side of the family. So I was born in Oklahoma. I grew up there. Um, my father worked for the Bureau of Indian Affairs, which means he was a police officer and he was hired basically to police other natives and to wow. police tribes, areas where there are native people. So, so I grew up living in Oklahoma and New Mexico, you know, kind of going back and forth. And, uh, when I was nine, we moved to Missouri and my parents got divorced and, and my dad left. And so it was kind of, uh, kind of broke off any, any roots that had started taking place in me with mm. my cultural identity. And so, you know, from like nine on, and we also grew up in a Christian home. So I've, I've always been in a, in a Christian home mm. as well. So those kind of, um, uh, from, you know, nine through my kind of teen years, I was pretty much just like a Southern Baptist, like white girl, you know, just kind mm-hmm. of like living the life, going to the true love weights rallies. And, um, <laughs> yes. and then as an adult, a few years ago, it was kind of like, God was like, Oh, Hey, you're a bottle out of me, you know, and so are your children. And, um, I want you to, you know, find out what that means. And so it just kind of was like 
uh, flipped a switch, you know, and I just couldn't turn it off. And, and I'm so glad. And, and so I've just been, um, learning about my tribe, learning our culture, learning our stories. And since I'm a writer, you know, that's coming out, um, through my writing. And so I have a book coming out and I'm working on a second one and just kind of processing, you know, what does it mean to be a native American Christian in a, in our country, you know, with, with all of our history and with the church that is, you know, in the name of God done atrocious things to my ancestors. So, Mm. um, yeah, so here I am. Amazing. I'd love to hear a little bit more about, um, I don't, maybe, you know, maybe there's not a ton to share. Maybe it is just as simple as, you know, you, you just felt, you know, a nagging or something. But when you said that you really just started to feel this, like you had to, you know, connect to your heritage and connect that to your faith and your voice. Like, what did that look like? Like, how did, how did that start to feel? Like you starting to Mm -hmm. get drawn to something about your past? Like, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? I just, I think there's some fascinating stuff there. Yeah, for sure. So, so there definitely were like things in my life that were starting to change. And, um, I felt myself sort of transforming slowly. Um, my husband who is not native, um, he has always loved nature. Like that's just like being outside and finding God outside has always been really important to him. And so I've learned a lot from him in that over the years that we've been married, but, but I felt it changing inside of me finally, you know, like just seeing things that I wasn't noticing before. And, um, and so one day we were out hiking, um, here in, in Georgia, there are a lot of, um, native sites. And so you can go to the Chattahoochee river and you can like read about what tribes once lived there. And so it's really amazing because you there's in civil war history, even, you know, there's just so much history here. Um, and so we were hiking at this place called Sweetwater Creek and, um, my youngest son, Isaiah was like one, one and a half, one and a half at the time. And, um, I was still, you know, breastfeeding him and he got hungry and I had to feed him and we're like hiking. So I awkwardly was like, okay, I'm just going to like feed my baby while I'm hiking and hope that no one walks by and, you know, get <laughs> terrified. So, so I just kind of like did that. And then, um, you know, just, we're just walking and I'm feeding him. And all of a sudden it was just like, God stopped me and said, this is what your ancestors did on the trail of death. Like, this is what the women in your lineage had to do with their babies. Like they walked, um, the trail of death is the Potawatomi version of the trail of tears. So mm-hmm. you've heard of the trail of tears, yeah. the Wadami tribe walked the trail of death. So that was our, our, um, journey. Um, and so it was just, God was just like stopped time. You know, it felt like, and said, you know, um, you need to know who you come from and you need to know as a woman who you come from and that you have children and you are being called back, you know? And so, um, yeah, so it just, literally, it was like, you know, a switch turning on in me. And, um, we got back in the car and I just wrote it all down. I just started writing and, um, and so, yeah. And that's just, it hasn't ever gone away. And it's, was was it something you thought uh, much about before that? Yeah. I mean, I, um, you know, I have my, you know, tribal roles card. I've had it, always had it, um, since I was little and I went and got it. And so it's this little ID, you know, that shows you're on the tribal roles and, Mm -hmm. Throughout college, I got, you know, um, uh, like scholarships and money to help put me through college, but, but I never knew what it meant. I never, you know, since we didn't, 
you know, we didn't practice a lot culturally. And then when my parents divorced, it just was gone, you know? So it wasn't anything that, that I understood. I kind of just thought like, oh, I just grew up in a poor part of Oklahoma and like, that's where I'm from. But I didn't realize like, you know, I'm from this, this group of people. I have this heritage. Like I, it just never, it never clicked for me, um, until then. Amazing. As, as somebody with, with, uh, a background in history, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm still getting over a cold from last week. So Makes your radio voice sound great though, John, it does. It drops in another <laughs> octave. So it's good, but you got to keep clearing your throat and that's not, that's not good radio, <laughs> but um, but anyway, we, I know we, you and I were talking, um, you know, a few weeks ago, um, and in preparation for, uh, for our, for our talk tonight, um, yeah, you know, I was kind of looking up some information about your tribe and, and kind of, um, where they originated and, and, you know, they were a great plains tribe that were kind of shoved into like the Wisconsin, Illinois area, and then off into like Oklahoma and some of the Western States. And it's, you know, pretty pretty typical of the way that the native American peoples were, were treated, um, by these imperialist, you know, uh, European, you know, conquerors essentially. And, and so I know like you and I kind of joked a little bit about, you know, Christopher Columbus and obviously we are located in the city, uh, named after him. And, and not a lot of people know, you know, the history behind this guy. He's kind of revered as this hero. And you wrote this really, amazing article, uh, or blog rather, um, kind of about, about that. And, and initially I was just like, Oh, this is a really cool article. It kind of alludes to some of the, the actual history that not a lot of people are aware of, but probably should be, but it's about a much bigger issue than that. Right. So it's, it's about, um, the conversations that as a country that we tend to avoid. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe talk about that a little bit, like how you, know, you mentioned, um, in that, in that article, um, that a lot of things like this, you know, we need to start talking about and, and specifically the church is silent on a lot of these types of issues. Yeah. I'm, I'm amazed because, you know, I grew up, like I was in the public school system. I learned the same, you know, history that all of us have learned. And, and so even I like don't know so many things that I should know, (laughs) you know, as an indigenous person, like you would think that like I would have more knowledge of things. And like, I grew up, you know, doing the same, like in 1492, like, you know, like I, I know I, it's the same. And, um, and it didn't even like hit me like that, that that should actually go against who I am. (laughs) Like it it didn't, you know, it, it, like I didn't think about it until I was older. And, um, and yeah, I just am, I'm really amazed at how little people know of, indigenous culture. And I've noticed like, you know, when I tell people I'm Potawatomi, or I start telling them about my tribe. It's almost like people are surprised that we're still alive. You know, I think sometimes people view, you know, they, they're thinking of those stories in the history books and they're thinking of the Cowboys and the Indians or, um, you know, the pilgrims and the Indians, like, like it's, it's almost um, like those stories are stuck in history and we're Mm, like relics, we're like past relics, you know? And so it's really, um, it's really been eye opening for me as I learn about my tribe and I share it with other people, especially in the church that they're like, I had no idea or, Oh wow, you have a really beautiful culture or like your creation story is, is beautiful or, you know, just things that, that I'm learning myself. And I'm just amazed at how, 
yeah, how silent it's been, how complicit, you know, that silence is complicit in everything that's happened, you know? And, and I understand because it's uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable, you know, for me to say, oh, here's actually what happened. Like, let's talk about it now. You know, that's, um, people get, uh, offended easily. People get no. kind of that, like this, you know, <laughs> I didn't do that. You know, my ancestors may have been like that, but I'm not like that. And like, you know, it's just, it's hard to have those conversations. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I taught a, a, um, at my last church, I taught a class on the medicine wheel to this group of people. And, um, and they were, you know, the most gracious listeners, they were just ready to listen and learn. Like they, they just wanted to know so much. And so that was a wonderful place for me to begin sharing because they didn't, you know, they didn't question where I was getting my information or they didn't make me feel like they weren't listening, like they were truly listening. And, um, yeah, that was great. But I think we have to have more of those kinds of sessions where oppressed people can share their truth and, um, those on the other side can listen and just listen, you know, not even respond sometimes, just simply listen and acknowledge it, you know? No, absolutely. Um, I think that one of the things that we initially only set out to do on this show was just try to facilitate more listening. Like imagine that as a, a part of a beautiful future, like where people could just say, well, hang on, you know, before I just dismantle that or before I call that thing my enemy or that, that viewpoint my enemy or whatever, or before I get defensive, maybe I should just chill out and listen mm-hmm. first and, and try to see something from another person see this from another perspective. Uh, so uh, yeah, we're totally jiving with you on that. That's it's <laughs> so hard. It's yeah. so hard. We don't, nobody wants to do it if we're going to be honest, naturally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, one of the things that I really like that you said there too is that <clears throat> it reminds me of an Albert Einstein quote where he says, uh, I think it was Albert Einstein. He says, if I were to remain silent, I'd be guilty of complicity. And I think that's so apropos of um, the, the modern, the modern age, there are so many things going around. And, and I think, uh, we've talked about on the podcast before, you know, um, the advent of technology allows us, uh, to see things as they happen. Mm -hmm. And, and it's very, very hard, you know, since everyone has a camera phone now to hide atrocities that are happening, happening across the globe. And yet, um, I especially, you know, because I, I identify with Christianity, I, I, I find it offensive that there aren't more Christians who are appalled and standing up and, and saying, no, this is wrong. Mm. And I think, yeah. I think you speak to that really well, especially in, in a lot of the blog articles that I've read. Um, so so uh, the other question I had, and you, brought, you mentioned this, is um, you talk about the uh, Native American creation story that you learned. Mm. How has learning more about your, um, your, your spiritual um, roots uh, through, through um, who you are as a Native American, how, how has that affected the Christianity that you were born and raised in? Um, well, it definitely has broken down the Americanized Christianity that I grew up in and um, has made me realize, um, I think, you know, Mark Charles, he talks a lot about, you know, we've always been a country where it's been like empire has been mixed with God. You know, it's all 
from the beginning, you know, these things were done in the name of God and mm. boarding schools were, you know, Christian or religious run boarding schools. And, um, so all these atrocities that have happened were so often done in the name of God and the name of, you know, salvation. And so that kind of, um, idea of Christianity I've been deconstructing, um, and, uh, you know, just, or, or decolonizing, I call it. Um, yes. so I've been decolonizing my faith. Um, but what I've found and has been just so beautiful is that my native, my nativeness and my, um, my native faith just so, um, beautifully aligns with, uh, the stories of Jesus and the Bible and, um, and so beautifully aligns with, you know, who I see God as. And it has never felt inside of me. It has never felt like these things are at war. What has been at war is me and America or me and, you know, evangelicalism or me and the Southern Baptist church. Um, you know, I don't, I don't fit, I don't fit there anymore. I don't fit in those institutions anymore. Um, and so that has been difficult to suddenly like, to suddenly see myself as a person of color, as an indigenous person, when, you know, a few years ago you would look at me and I just look white, you know, so no one thinks anything of it. But when you see me, you know, speaking out and being honest about it, then it, it really, you know, shifts everything. So the culture is really hard, you know, the kind of the church culture can be really difficult, but the richness of who God is, you know, in welcoming me and, you know, loving my people and always loving people, you know, they've, they've always been welcomed into the fold of God. I need an ambulance. I took, I took the worst of the blow. Send me a redeemer. Let me know if I'm gonna be alright. Am I gonna be alright? Cause I know how so good. I think so much of uh, uh, so many thoughts on that like first of all like I love what you said that you know this doesn't with the Jesus you know the God you know that there there's no there's no problem here that you know that it aligns beautifully it aligns perfectly um, there's so much continuity there I think that uh, the trouble we get into and we've gotten into uh, over and over again is when we stop looking at uh, the, the beautiful mysterious person and spirit that we encounter in our faith and we you know erect a system around right. it right that has to have a certain level of explanatory power in order for us to continue to feel confident because that's what we think faith is and mm -hmm. and we then are challenged when somebody says well you know I can't, I can't tell you how many times Caitlin this is the first time I've actually you know tragically enough spoken with a native about matters of faith. I've uh, never gotten the opportunity to do that until now. But, you know, it's always kind of that thing that people throw out there, like, well, what about the Native Americans that never heard about Jesus? And, uh -huh. beca and because of the system that I was worshiping, <laughs> right? Because it wasn't God, it wasn't the Spirit, it wasn't, you know, what Christ would have shown me to do with that kind of question. It was like, oh, shoot, I don't know, you got me. Like, because, you know, he, they didn't know how to confess with their mouth yeah. that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead. So I guess they're screwed. Yeah. And, and it's gross. And I love, I just love what you're saying 
about that. Um, <laughs> did you have some of those realizations too? Is that, am I just on my island over, <laughs> over here? <laughs> no, what are you talking about? I don't, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Shoot. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All of, I mean, all of it. And it's, and it's like the same realizations over and over. Like, it's like <laughs> some mornings I wake up and, and think, Oh my God, like, I can't believe I grew up thinking that or, yeah. you know, ha- or it's not even, you know, like, it's not like my family even, you know, talked about these things out loud, these, these, um, rules, you know, or these, this is how you view God. It's not even that, that my pastors, you know, growing up had to even say it blatantly. It's just the underlying tone of our religion in America is, is all of that kind of stuff, you know, like, it's just, it's just wired into it to the core. And when you finally break out of that, you just see it so clearly. And it's, it's so appalling, you know, so appalling. It really is. The other thing that really struck me when you were talking is uh, how you talked about how, you know, a lot of what you call attention to makes people uncomfortable. And just a thought on that is, you know, I don't know of a situation, you know, either in scripture or in church history or, you know, any of these kinds of places that overlap where a voice for the minority or a voice for the oppressed within a system of power um, that has to speak that truth. Like you said, I just have to be honest about, you know, what I see and where I'm at and, you know, what's going on. Uh, That voice for that, uh, calling attention to that, that makes people uncomfortable. It's making people uncomfortable because at the end of the day, we want the power to continue to work for us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so... Yeah, you're right on the side with the minor prophets and, <laughs> and you know, Jesus. And uh, prophets not without honor, right? Yeah. Uh, what are, what's that like? I mean, it's something, that, <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you think about those kinds of things when you're? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, yeah, I am. Um, I, let's see, a few, a few weeks ago, I was in New Mexico, um, at a retreat with Richard Rohr. He was our teacher. And, um, so there were like 75 of us and Richard was, um, we were having these sessions with him. So he's talking about all his work and, um, and he mentioned a few times the work of prophets. And then, uh, later when I got home, you know, the, the center for action and contemplation that he has, like they send out daily emails from him and, oh, yeah. um, and I follow him on Twitter. So, <laughs> so I see all the little, you know, and so he was sharing them in that next week and they were all, um, I think each day was focused on some aspect of being a prophet and, and it was just really, um, kind of just soothing for me to just sit in that, like what, to realize that <laughs> the work of being prophetic is, is really painful and hard and really beautiful all at the same time, you know, because you're seeing, you're seeing some things that people don't always see, which is the beautiful part. Um, but then you're having to call it out and that's the painful thing. And so, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. And being a writer, um, it's interesting too, just because you're, you're putting it down in a book or you're, Mm. you know, like storytelling is so important to our culture. Um, and, and it would, it's more verbal of course, but, but now those are all written down. And so as I'm, you know, as a storyteller, you know, I'm, I'm seeing everything through the lens of, of story. And, um, and that's, I mean, that's how traditions are built is through storytelling, you know, like 
all traditions. You know, you have these these old stories, and that's how you know the people you belong to and yeah. where you come from. You know. Yeah, absolutely. But like you know, being that voice has obviously got to take a toll. It's not. It's not easy. It's not. It's not fun. You know, to to feel like you're swimming upstream or speaking yeah. truth to power. Like, what are some of the parts that you find most difficult about that personally? Um, the energy, um, it has been really draining of my energy. I remember when, um, so right after, like a year after I kind of had that realization, Standing Rock happened. Mm-hmm. And then, so with Standing Rock, I, I didn't get to go, but I watched live feeds just constantly. I just had them going constantly because it was the first time in my life that I, I literally felt the like heartache of knowing that my ancestors like went through all of this and like, those are the people I'm, I belong to. And so the first day I realized that just like weeping, like finally just like breaking and weeping, like really crying and just letting out, you know, kind of a catharsis of all the stuff I had been building up and holding in. And so every few months I have that moment where I just need to like have a good cry and like get it out that Mm. I am, I'm an optimist. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not a person who's prone to depression or being super sad or I just don't, you know, I'm just not wired that way. And, um, and so often I kind of sit on the, the higher end of like, let's just, let's make it better. Like, let's get <laughs> things done. You know, I'm like, Charge! I'll tell, I'm going to tell you a story and you're going to like it and we're going to move forward, you know? And, um, but every now and then I have to sit in the like really crappy part and like, I have to hear about another indigenous person who's, you know, killed or another missing woman or, you know, like all of these, um, things that, that just come back around. And I, I realize like how much of a toll it it takes on me every day. But, you know, when I'm at home and I'm, my boys and I are trying to learn our language on online. And so, you know, we're in our office, like, watching these Potawatomi videos for kids of like dancing bears and they're singing like songs in Potawatomi. And I'm like, this is great. Like we're, we're doing this, you know, and that's not the heavy part. Like that's the really beautiful part. And so I think that fuels me for when I have to sit down and write things that are hard or have hard conversations, you know? Mm. That's good. One, One of the things I've heard you talk about is when we engage in conversation about uh, tough issues like like Standing Rock, for example, um, you've you've made the point that so often the conversation that happens occurs in a way where the conversation is about the issue, but doesn't actually engage the people that it affects. Mm. I was wondering if you could unpack that a little. Yeah, uh, I think I think a lot of it goes back to what I was saying earlier that um, that we kind of view we view native people through that lens of history and like events that happened. Um, like on, uh, for indigenous people's day, uh, the other day I, I did a thread on Twitter and I was like, these are some of my favorite things right now. Like if you're going to get some wild rice for Thanksgiving, like order it from these people, you know? And like, Mm. if you want to, if you want to know about like native music, like watch these videos of these artists that I love or, you know, and I just gave, if you want to know more about the medicine wheel, like here's a really cool website that tells you about it. And, um, yeah, I, I think people really are hungry for like tangible things. Um, if you, you know, instead of buying that, like, you know, 
$4 t-shirt at Target that has a like fake Navajo print. Like, why don't you actually find an artist who's indigenous and thank them for their work and like buy that from them? You know, just things that are um, tangible that the church like, or anybody like we can do this. So like, it shouldn't be conversations where we meet and we have these really tough conversations and then we all leave having no idea what to do because it was so overwhelming. And that's, that's what happens a lot. And, um, and I don't want to leave people with that, you know? So it's like, uh, also equipping people to know like what to do next and to see that these are, these are communities who are thriving, who are still alive and we're trying to retain our languages or trying to teach our children, our cultures. And, and it's hard you know, but, um, for people to actually see, see us as people and as cultures, um, that are alive today, I think, and then be willing to step into those realities would, I think, change a lot for us. It's really good. Just got me thinking a little bit like, you know, sitting here and just doing this little podcast project, this hobby that, that John and I have, um, originally we, we started this because we felt like, uh, in a in a much different way, but you know, with some similarities on a different level, people in people in churches or people that want to be associated with churches or spirituality, um, but find themselves difficult to label, or they find themselves in positions that are more gray or more doubting or questioning or things like that, because the the structures that we have in place in religion um, favor those who are, you know, fanatical or favor those who are very, very sure, very, very certain, uh, mm-hmm. don't, don't have a lot of those conversations. We found that we were actually starting to speak for, um, something of uh, a minority that were, um, oppressed is maybe a strong word, but you know, that, that felt like they were lost in this power structure and they didn't, right. and they didn't have a voice. They didn't have a place and they didn't have a home and they didn't have uh, all those kinds of things. And I've noticed in a lot of your writing that you resonate with that group of people too. And, uh, you've, you know, even written blogs on, you call it decolonization, but, uh, I loved, loved your blog. Uh, it's okay to deconstruct your American faith. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your, your story and, and a little bit about like, some of the content in that, in that blog that you wrote that was really powerful. And I think gave voice to so many people's struggle. Yeah, I am. Um, I remember, I think it was last year or the year before having a, a conversation with someone that I grew up with. And it was just like that first realization that, um, <laughs> that we had grown apart, you know, <laughs> like something was different between us, you know? And it was like, um, realizing that my faith is not the same that it was. And, and like how, um, hard that is to, to realize that you have completely like shifted away from what you grew up in or what you, what you found so comforting at one time of your life, you know? And that doesn't mean that I, I'm not grateful for what it gave me in that, in that time, you know, I needed, I needed that kind of faith for whatever reason growing up and that kind of structure helped me so much to become who I am today. But, um, yeah, growing out of that and then realizing that, that if I want to be a healthier version of myself, like I have to deconstruct. Um, and it's been interesting on Twitter. Like there's so many people I've met that are, that are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And Twitter is just this funny, (laughs) I was just, 
I, I've had a Twitter account for like four years and I always hated Twitter until like six months ago. And I was like, I'm writing a book. I should probably start using Twitter. <laughs> and yeah. then it was just like, oh my God, like all these amazing people who are following me and like asking me to, to tell them my story and like really wanting to know. And, and that just, that just like blew me away. Um, and, but it made me realize the same thing that there are a lot of us who are doing the same thing or deconstructing things. And I mean, I can't, um, you know, I, I also wrote a piece like I, um, I'm really uncomfortable with the Bible right now because I, uh, I have to read each story. Every story I come across, I have to then pull it out of the American lens and then look at it again in a different lens, um, to try to figure out how I'm feeling about it. So and, hard uh, to do. Yeah, it's really hard. And I'm not a, you know, Bible scholar in the first place. So I don't have, you know, I'm still a very like childlike Bible reader. I just always have been. And so it's not like I don't have all, all this knowledge to go along with it, you know, but, but yeah, I just, um, I've had so many other people who, like you said, are, are in the same boat and, and we've got to <laughs> go somewhere to process that or have a, some safe place to tell our stories and to figure out where to go next. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, to shift, shift gears a little bit, there's, there's a, uh, another blog article that, that you wrote that I really, really enjoyed. And I thought, I thought it was very, very timely. Um, and it was the, the, uh, blog article that you wrote about how to face tragedy. And I felt like it, 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 at any point in time, this was the perfect time for you to, to write that piece. Um, there's, uh, shall we say, lots of inspiration uh, with what seems like a, a world that's gone crazy around us, whether it's you know politics or weather disasters or mm. whatever the case may be. Um, I know there are a lot of people out there who are just struggling to make sense of just what seems like just chaos. And one of the things that you talk about is um, <clears throat> ways to combat this. So how do we how do we combat this never ending wave of crazy and engage in in what you call self care? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, sometimes I don't really know. Um, <laughs> so one one thing that I've noticed for me, like um, that I have to do, which is you know my upcoming book, like this is exactly what it was born out of, is that I needed um, I have to be like tethered to to everyday things, like tangible things, just to like stay, um, sane and feel rooted in this, this kind of craziness. Because if I'm just like reading the news all day and like, I mean, I literally get so overwhelmed and anxious with that, um, that I cannot, I can't sit in that all day. And I know a lot of people are the same way. A lot of people are having trouble sleeping and are, um, exhausted and are, have high blood pressure and like people who normally don't, you know, and it's just, um, we're in such a crazy, um, time where people are so just like outraged over everything. And, um, and we have to be able to step back and like, uh, care for ourselves. And so for me, that means going on a hike with my kids or, um, you know, just stopping to have a cup of coffee and turning off the computer. And, and it's really hard. It's really hard actually to, to step away and be present, um, in our, in whatever reality we have. Um, but I think that that helps us so much. Um, 
just to stay tethered to to the realities of God outside of that chaos and also inside of it, I guess. So, you know, knowing that that God is in our midst, you know, like right here and now, um, so that we can be filled back up again to go back to the really crappy things that happen in the world. And we have to have that um, or it just gets worse and worse. And then we're a bunch of unhealthy people who are all trying to, <laughs> I don't know, fix whatever it is and end up yelling at each other even more probably. Just like what you said, just being deliberate, like there's a deliberateness to the things that you were saying. Like I think so many people feel out of control because they're not doing anything (laughs) deliberate, you know? And so much of what you said sounded so simple, like take a walk, have a cup of coffee, have, you know, some quiet time, not, not (laughs) quiet time in the, in the Southern Baptist (laughs) sense, but like, like I'm actually saying quiet time just be quiet <laughs> and but it's it's so funny because we laugh about this because it's like well that's so, too easy well then why can't you do it yeah you know none of us can i it's so hard i was mm-hmm. in a routine getting up early just having time of quiet uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh for for a while and uh some crap hit the fan and you know sick and you start sleeping in and oh my gosh you're out of your routine and you're not doing it anymore and oh, the blood pressure's creeping up and oh, the crazy wave is hitting you time and time again. And um, just the last few mornings, I did it again for just like maybe 15 minutes. And I was like, oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Just being deliberate, do something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so good. Let's let's talk about your book. You gotta be pretty stoked about that. I am, I'm very excited. So you've got one book out right now, and you said you made mention. I don't know if it was before we started recording, so let's make sure we mention it again just in case. Yes, yes. You have another book coming out in the fall, uh, but the book that you have out now is called Glory Happening, Finding the Divine in Everyday Places. Um, Maybe tell us a little bit about the book and and what your goal is for this book. Yeah, so so this one is coming out November 7th, and I'm writing the second one that I hope someday will get published. So, um, yeah, I... uh, Glory Happening is, um, it's a book of 50, um, kind of essays or, uh, you know, short stories, I guess, from my life. And each one I wrote a prayer that goes with that story. And so basically it's just, um, I'm reflecting on what the glory of God is. Cause I remember when I was little thinking about like the glory of God, I thought of like the clouds with the sunshine coming out behind them. And I was like, wow, you know, so majestic God. And I just like, there's nothing on that. Like I have no idea what the glory of God is. So, uh, one day I was in my kitchen and I was like, what does the word glory mean? Like, this is really interesting. Like I like definitions a lot. So I I looked it up and, um, and it, you know, one of the definitions is like something that is beautiful. That's extremely beautiful. And I was like, well, I mean, I experience that all the time. Like I see, I see beauty and so many different things. So if the glory of God can be that, then it can be a lot of other things as well. And so I, I just started looking up, you know, different concepts of glory, like in the Bible. Yeah. And 
started thinking about, you know, even in really painful seasons of my life, like I still felt the glory of God or the presence of God, um, with me, you know? And, um, yeah, so I just, I just started writing these stories and it was really fun. Like it was, it came really easy and it was almost like journaling, you know? Um, and I loved it. I loved writing it. And so I'm really excited that, um, someone wanted to publish it and, um, it's, it's crazy that I have a book coming out. <laughs> so it's, no, it's, it's amazing. And I, I think in a world that, you know, we get so lost, um, wasn't it Rob Bell that said we're passing burning bushes all the time, but we, you know, we missed it because we're texting somebody or looking at a screen yeah. or, you know, I, I feel like there's some resonance in that way of thinking with, you know, what you're talking about, like glory being something every day, but like, you know, we don't have eyes to see it anymore. Right. You know? So what, what are, uh, what are some of the kind of standout moments where you started to realize that, you know, glory is happening all around us? Uh, well, we were living in a two-bedroom apartment, okay? So we have a giant husky and uh, two young boys at the time who were just starting to, like, learn how to, like, really fight with each other and scream a lot. And um, so in this tiny apartment, and my husband's, <laughs> he had just started his PhD program, and so he was just, like, brain fried every day, huh. like, so tired, you know? And then our two boys are just running around screaming and... I'm hanging out with them and just like, it was just, um, it was an insane season. And all of a sudden I just, I just, um, was so like grateful to be in it and not that it wasn't hard, but it was just, um, it was just really good. I just loved it. And, um, my, I think it was for mother's day one year, the, the guys all went and got me a bunch of plants for our balcony. Cause I really wanted to have plants cause it's Georgia. So the sun, if it shines anywhere, you'll grow something. So, um, I put a bunch of plants, um, in these pots and containers and we just had them all over our, this balcony. And I would just go sit out there and drink my coffee and the boys would just play. And, um, I don't know, it was just this really sacred space. Mm-hmm. And I just started reading, reading more books and, um, finding myself, you know, more of a mystic, I guess, than yes. I have before. And then, you know, that co- kind of coinciding with who I was trying to figure out who I was as a native woman. Um, and so all of that just kind of coming alive in me, um, and processing it basically through these stories. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I love it. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar. I think you might've even referenced it. I, I, the Weight of Glory, the C.S. Lewis episode or uh, essay. Did you read that? Was that? Did you reference that, or am I crossing? Um, I may have. I can't remember. I I thought I maybe yeah, read that I, in one of your. I think so. I just I love because so much of what you're saying and so much of what I read in what you wrote um, made me think of that. Maybe that's what it was. I can't remember, but his whole idea of beauty being something that's calling us. Um, yeah. To something deeper, you know. It's the it's the music. Uh, that we've, that we're remembering again from, you know, the symphony we've never heard, but we know we have, or, you know, the, that, that landscape that we know we've seen somewhere before, but we, but we haven't, you know, it's that, it's that higher, higher up and further in it's this, uh, this, this promise of more. And I think one of the cool things about what you're doing is, um, you're inspiring people to notice it, that it's, that it's, it's right there. Like it's, it's, probably wherever you are right now, there's a glimpse of it. 
mm-hmm. if you can see it. And I think that that work is so important. I think that what you're doing is so important, especially since you're resonating with people that are doing, you know, quote unquote deconstruction, which we have a very love hate relationship with that word. Um, <laughs> but when you think about it, you know, when your concepts of God are crumbling and then somebody comes along to remind you that it's over here too. Right. And it's, it's not just in that place where you always thought you found it, but it's, it's in those plants on the balcony. You know, it's in watching your kids play. It's in the insanity and the mess and maybe even in the wave of crazy that's hitting you if you can figure out how to see it. Right. Oh, I think that's such important work, pointing out the burning bushes. So I want to congratulate you for that. And, Thanks. And hopefully you just keep doing it because it's needed. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, um, we're, we're running short on time here, but we wanted to, uh, uh, first of all, just thank you for being on the show. Um, we, Adam and I, are, you know, uh, have been following you on Twitter for a while and, and following a lot of your writings. Um, I know I've read quite a bit because um, you write for Sojourners. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so tell people where, where they can find your, your blog and, and some of your other writings and uh, when your new book comes out. Yeah, we are Caitlin Curtis fans. <laughs> so the, um, let's see. I have a blog. It's CaitlinCurtis.com. And uh, you can just, you know, pick a way to spell that and... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll. They'll find uh, it in our show notes. Hopefully, um, if they look at the yeah, episode, you yeah, you know what to do. And then, um, yeah, I write for Sojourners a lot, um, and I've loved writing for them so much. And then I also have a Patheos Progressive Christian page, um, and so um, that has a lot of a lot of the same pieces that are on my blog. But there are a few that are um, also just on that site. And um, yeah, I'm you know for next year I'm booking um, speaking engagements, so. Uh, I would love to be able to speak at churches or just speak to um, groups of people about, basically, I just want to tell stories and, um, and just have a like storytelling session. And then, and then, uh, you know, have that kind of create space to have these conversations. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm booking, um, booking events right now. That's all on my website and yeah, definitely, um, if people want to follow me on Twitter, you know, I'm on there a lot now that I've figured out how to use it. <laughs> You're doing great. You're a blast to follow on Twitter. Well, Thanks. The, the book is called Glory Happening, Finding the Divine in Everyday Places. And it comes out, if I'm reading this correctly, November 7th. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, that's right. So, so check it out. Yeah, we'll definitely put it in the show notes. Um, we definitely highly recommend people go out and get it. And, uh, and hopefully uh, Adam and I are, are, are working on the initial... Uh, concepts for uh, a, a live event or a live tour ourselves. So um, we'd love to connect with you. Hopefully we, uh, yeah. we can plan something near your neck of the woods. So Yeah, I'd love that. It'd be so fun. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, uh, for taking some time out. Uh, I know uh, we try to plan these in the evening, so it's always, always tough to take time away from the family. So, so thank your husband and your kids too. But thanks for, uh, thanks for talking with us tonight. And uh, we, we hopefully will uh, reconnect with you soon. Thank you, Caitlin. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. So much fun. Dude, that was just a real, that, you know, I felt like I was just talking to a friend that I didn't know I had.
You know, it was so, it was so comfortable. It was so, she's, she's just got such a soft, but strong way of approaching these things. And you know what I like the most? There's something that really, I'm going to have to think about this a lot more after this. You know, we use the word deconstruction, which she uses also in some of her blogs, but she likes better um, the term decolonization. I like that. Of your faith. Because if you think about, you know, especially with her native American roots and some of the contemplating that she's done and reflection that she's done. Uh, that's a lot of what we're trying to peel away to get to a real space where something, you know, authentic can be built is getting away from this just kind of cookie cutter colonization, um, empire driven power structure that, uh, looks, you know, antithetical, honestly, to the community that Jesus was trying to put together. So I really, really appreciate that. I think she's just got so many good things to say. I hope everybody goes out and, and picks up this book. Well, and the other, the other thing I really like about her too, is that, um, and, and I guess what I like about modern technology and that sort of thing is that she's also an avid blogger. So if you go to, uh, Caitlin Curtis dot, got, dot com, I don't know why that was so hard to say, but <laughs> really hard to say, but, uh, if you go to her website, um, she also writes for sojourners as well. Yeah. Uh, but if you go to her website, um, she, she's an avid blogger as well. And so it's one of these things where you can get a glimpse of what she's thinking um, in the moment. And mm. she's, she's written recently, there's some really exceptional blog uh, posts that she's written um, just about like things that are happening, you know, in the world today mm-hmm. around us and responding to those things. Yeah. And um, I think she's got a great voice and I think um, I agree. I look forward to see what, what comes, uh, comes out of her in the, in the future. Ditto. So Ditto. Um, we're going to have to get her to do a blog, um, maybe a guest blog for us sometime. We should, we should ask her before we put this on the air, but <laughs> now she has to. Now she's pressured. <laughs> do you feel pressured, Caitlin? You yeah. should. Yeah. Now you got to do it. <laughs> because uh, if you guys didn't know, um, you know, we've been talking about it a lot, but we do have a completely like revamped website, www.deconstructionist.com, and you can find our Patreon there. Uh, one cool thing about our Patreon is the, uh, the book club. People are really digging that. We curate books. Um, have, we can have discussions about those books. Uh, we send them out to everybody at the same time every month. And, um, I'm really excited to send out the next one for next month. So if you can't read a book a month, well, be a Patreon anyway. Or, <laughs> or if you can't read a book a month, but you just like want to stockpile books yeah. over the course of the year build, and then go on one vacation and just yeah. drown yourself in books. Yeah. That's the way to do it. Build a little library, but you know, books from $1, you know, all the way up, there's, there's really cool stuff. We, we don't want this to be about the money. We want it to be a way for you guys to connect and um, get some cool new stuff. And it's just kind of like a a way of saying, like putting your hand up and saying, yeah, I'd I'd like to connect in some, some different ways, some new ways, here's some new stuff. And we've got other projects coming. You guys are fueling lots of other cool stuff that we're hoping brings a lot of encouragement and excitement to wherever you're at on your spiritual journey, as well as just a connection of community. So yeah. Thanks for everybody that's getting involved in that. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for supporting us. Um, again, um, we are working on a live tour, um, hopefully this spring. And so if that is something that would be of interest to you, a couple things that would help us out in a huge way. Number one, help spread the word in your, your local city, town, whatever, Get other people on board uh, mm-hmm. with listening to the podcast because obviously the more people we have supporting it, the more uh, likelihood that we'll be able to actually support a live event in your neck of the woods. Yep. So if you live in a city uh, or, or a town where you think that other people might benefit from this or might be interested in it, um, help spread the word about the podcast. That's the biggest thing that we can say. Yep. Number two, the other big way that helps us get exposure is five-star reviews on iTunes. As weird as that sounds... Um, with that new updated app, like you can just it's, click on the five stars, 
It's it the helps Apple us algorithm thing. It's weird. It's so weird. So yeah, so like for whatever reason, the more five star reviews you get on iTunes, uh, the more um, chart time that you get, visible. the more visible your podcast is. For whatever reason, unknown to mankind, because iTunes won't tell anyone oh, the secret. I wouldn't either if I was them. To be Which, honest, <laughs> yeah, because then everybody's just going to manipulate it. Look, we don't necessarily care about being on the charts. That's not like something that's ever been important to us. As long as we are creating a, a podcast that benefits someone out there, that's all we care about. However, like it does help us get exposure and helps more people find us and that sort of thing. So, if you have a couple seconds and you can and you can leave us a review, um, that that is hugely beneficial. So, thank yeah. you guys uh, if you've already done it. Yeah. Um, if you can take a few seconds to do it, though. That would be uh, that'd be helpful. Yep, we understand how how much so much of this is uh, you know at times an awkward conversation, and you know we we know we have a lot of like you know call them like closet listeners or whatever. Yeah, um, I would have been in the past, but you know if you're getting to a point where you want to have some real conversation about this, you might have to start telling people that you're a listener. <laughs> yeah, and then you'll actually get some some real conversation. But we understand sometimes if that's uncomfortable and you can't do it right away. But uh, the more people that we talk about these kinds of things with, the more space we open up to see what's going to happen next. Right. Um, and um, in my effort to be um, more transparent and more consistent about the bands that are on each episode, <laughs> this is I'm two for two now, Adam. I just want you to know that. You're doing great. Because in the past, I've either not said, because I can't remember, because we record all of these in, in advance, in advance, right? or I'll list a band and then find out afterwards that I changed it last second. Once or twice, and that's okay. <laughs> once or twice, so I'm like, I'm We're sorry. human, John. You're I'm human. so sorry. You're human. I feel worse for the bands, though. I'm I so know, sorry. I know. But this week, I promise you, is a band called Isley. Oh, yes. Isley's been around for a while. Um, they're super legit, and um, yeah. I've seen them at least once. I've seen them once. And they're super good live. Oh, yeah. Family so, band. Yeah. Powerhouse. Sisters, I, I think, and singer. a cousin. Oh, she's fantastic. Like yeah, I really enjoyed that concert. Um, super fun. So check them out. Uh, check out our Spotify playlist and uh, support the bands if you can. So um, at, at the very least, give them a shout out on uh, social media. Tell them we sent you. Helps us get other bands in the future. Um, so thanks, guys. For now, um, wherever you're at, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging with us. Thanks for supporting us. We will talk to you again soon. We are your hosts. I'm Adam Narlock. And I am John Williamson. We will see you next time.